Hola, Jumbo Ekabo. Welcome to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This podcast was created to be what the next immigrant needs to thrive and what we need as an immigrant community. In this podcast, we talk about attaining financial independence, living full lives in the new countries we call home, and we'll do all that while talking about topics that pertain to the immigrant community all over the world. We'll do that with grace, with truth, with love, and yes, with great background music. So please, dance into every podcast episode with me. I'm Diola Teru, and I'm your host. Welcome. Buongiorno, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. And I'm feeling myself because I'm feeling like a rapper right now, but I'm so excited to be back with this episode. It is February 2021 that I'm recording this. It's actually Valentine's Day. And um, happy Valentine's Day to you, whether you're loving yourself, whether you're loving your family, your friends, your kids, your loved one, um, your partner, your husband, your wife. Um, Happy Valentine's Day. But let's dig into this episode. And we're going to be talking about um, moving abroad. So are you financially ready to move abroad? So moving abroad is a big deal and we do it for so many different reasons, right? People move for love because their spouse is living in another country or they meet a spouse while traveling and they fall in love and they want to be together and they move. People move for better opportunities. People move for families. Some don't have a choice. Their families move and they got to move. Um, we move for our careers, for education. We move for a fresh start. We move to, to see the world, to see a different part of the world and to try and live and operate in, in a place that's different from, from where, we, where we've grown up. And so when it comes to moving abroad, I've done it a few times myself, right? I moved at the age of 16 to the United States. That's the first time I moved. And then I moved to the UK. Well, I, my, Indian stint, my India stint was like for two months. So you can, you, can, you can decide whether or not to make that count. So I moved to India for two months in 2014. And then I moved to the UK for almost three years in 2015. And then I moved back to America in 2018. So I've moved abroad a few times. And, and from my experience, I, I could tell stories for days, right, about my experiences. But I will say that moving abroad is a big deal. Um, and it comes with, you know, the, the, emotional, the emotional aspects of it. Um, of course, it's um, manic, you know, logistic, the logistical things to consider. And of course, from a financial standpoint, there are a lot of things to think about when you're looking to move abroad. And so some of the topics I'm going to cover today are going to be broad in general. Um, You have to slice and dice and see what applies to your situation, because I think there are some things that would apply to everybody. But there are also some things that will have a heavier weighting based on what stage in your life you move, um, whether you move as a child, whether you move as an adult, with a job, without a job, on a visa, without a visa, all of that. Um, So keep that in mind as you listen to some of the things that I'm going to share about what to think about as you financially prepare to move abroad. Number one, do you got a timeline? Do you have a timeline? Right. So it's not like you get your visa today and then you're leaving next month and then you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. That is a recipe for disaster or you're putting yourself, you're, you're less likely to be best positioned if you do things that way. They say if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so if you plan to move to another country, say in the next 12 months from today, what are you going to do over each of the next 12 months to put your own best foot forward? 
for example, if you're going to move to another country and it's a permanent move, right? Are you getting your transcripts from your schools where you went to school and getting them transcribed if they need to be? So that way you're not waiting for months and months to get it either after you move or just before you need it. Are you getting all your documents submitted in advance? Are you, you know, are you applying to schools in advance? Are you looking at, into your financial aid situation? Do you have a financial plan? What's the plan for your career? What are your career options? If you plan to start a business, what are the options? What are the rules in the country that you're looking to move to? So many times we wait until we're just about to make the move before we start to plan. And that puts us in so much of a difficult situation, right? And so the first thing I'll say is if you're thinking about making a move, start making a plan and a timeline right now. Like your timeline, your your plans may change and shift as you learn more, but keep in mind that you do have to have, you have to have a plan in place. And that's one of the first things I ask people when they tell me, oh, I want to move and all that stuff. Okay, what are your plans? What's your timeline? And what are you going to do to work towards that ultimate goal of making that move? The second thing I'll talk about is save, save, save. I'm sure you expected this, but let me break it down for you, right? Have you saved enough money for your move? The fact is, the truth I'll say is that you should save as much as is humanly possible for you to save to make a move abroad, especially if it is a permanent or medium term move. If you're moving for more than six months or so, I mean, you've got to have money saved up. And so when you prepare your timeline, you should have a plan to save a specific amount of money per month leading up to the period of your move. And if you're wondering, you know, well, how much should I save? How much is going to be enough? Well, The general rule of thumb I give people is to save as though you would not be employed for the first six months that you move abroad and save accordingly, right? And this is especially critical if you're moving with a family. I have seen so many immigrant families in the most dire of situations when they move abroad because there was no plan at all. And I'm not discounting the fact that sometimes when we move, we, we, we do bring all that we could afford. But sometimes people are also not realistic about the expectations of the new country and where they land in. And so if you're moving with your family, one, think about whether it's the right move to move with all of your family at once. And two, if you do choose to do that, which I know is the right answer for, for many families, um, when you're calculating how much you need to save, think about, okay, if I come in with a family of four and we're not going to be employed, what is our bare minimum budget in this new city? You cannot be looking at the cost of living where you're coming from. You have to look at where you're going to. There's information online. Take that, download that, save that, and modify based on your expenses. And don't say, oh, rent is going to be half the price. (laughs) No, Um, go with the average price of rent that you see online. Some people may have the good fortune or the blessing to be able to at least stay with family when you first move to another country. And I think that's wonderful. That's great. But understand that you cannot solely set out to depend on family or government for your upkeep. I think that even if people are positioned to help you, I think you need to show that you are willing and able to help yourself. And so if you don't have, you know, some people may have the soft landing of, you know, maybe government housing or, you know, family house that you can stay with or a spouse that's already there that you can stay with. So if you don't have that soft landing, um, you're pretty much screwing yourself over if you don't come financially prepared. Because one thing you'll know is that when you're not employed, your savings will go fast, faster than you ever imagined, right? 
And so you've got to, you've got to have um, a good amount of money saved up. Plan to not be employed for six months and be okay, be able to survive and feed your family and provide for your basic needs. And then the third thing I'll ask you, so we've talked about the timeline, we've talked about saving money and saving for six months worth of living expenses. The third thing I'll talk about is, well, have you taken care of things in your home country? And so you may have bank accounts, properties, businesses, or other investments in your home country that you'll need to have a plan for before you make that move. So will you close your bank accounts or will you maybe consolidate and leave one bank account open? Will you keep your properties or investments? And if you have an investment or a business and you would like to keep it or real estate or property, you'd like to keep it, who will you entrust to manage um, those things on your behalf while you're gone? And is this someone that you, you, you can trust or that you do trust and have established um, that relationship with? And if you do choose to um, identify someone that will manage on your behalf, um, have you taken the time? Do you have a plan to take the time to train the person um, to let them understand what your business is, how the investment runs, and how you, what your expectations are around that. And also, have you had the conversation of if there's something that where they will need to be compensated and if that's the fair thing to do? Have you had a conversation of how you plan to compensate them for managing those investments in your absence? The fourth item I'd like to talk about is, you know, just are you clear on your working situation? Depending on the country you're looking to move to and your immigration status on your arrival, you may or may not be eligible to work. And so, for example, when a spouse comes with the U.S. on a work visa, the spouse is not eligible to work for most of the time until, you know, the processing reaches certain stages and all of that. But the fact is, many people don't know that. You know, when I came to the U.S. as a student on a student visa, I, was, I could only work for 20 hours a week on campus. And so I wanted to work more to you know, help pay more of my tuition and all of that, but that was not even an option for me. The only option to work off campus, still limited to 20 hours, was if I could demonstrate um, financial difficulty, which I did in my last year. Um, so, but I think many of us come to these to new countries without knowing um, what can or cannot work or what, what that means for a spouse and their ability to work. And so being clear in your working situation and your working options, I think that's going to be very important. So, for example, um, the UK student visa is, is more lenient when it comes to, you know, kind of working opportunities and also um, opportunities to work beyond graduation. And so sometimes we are short sighted in our views. So if you're coming as a student, you only focus on just getting that student visa, I think. And when I did, I was focused on my student visa. You know, I, I hope to be able to live and work in America after school, but I, I didn't really have that end in mind kind of goal. And that's something that my friends and I were like, oh my gosh, I wish we wish we knew what we were getting into and what things meant down the line after graduating. Because like some of you may know about me, I graduated and could not get a job that sponsored me for a visa. I don't think it would have changed anything that I did, but I would have just maybe just done certain things differently, you know, knowing that. And so, for example, if you're, you know, moving to the U.S. as a student, I mean, at the age of 16 or 17, honestly, you can, <laughs> it's hard to have that burden on you. And I can understand that. But I will also say, you know, being aware so that as you move through college, as you become a sophomore or junior, or if you move as a graduate student, if you move as a graduate student to a country like the U.S. where you need a work visa to stay, you've got to start working on your plan like day one. 
And so many times people are unaware of these restrictions at first and do not plan accordingly financially and otherwise and really mentally, right? And so take the time to do your research. As you're thinking about what country you want to move to, take the time to research what status you're going in, you know, what the if you want to stay there long term, what the opportunity to to stay there legally and get your resident permit, to work full time um, and, and all of that. So I think it's one thing to move to a country, but it's another thing to look at what are the policies that will allow me to be settled here if that's what I want and be a contributing member of the community. And so admittedly, I'll say, last thing I'll say on this is that there's some things about moving abroad that you only learn after moving but let's avoid the preventable surprises because these surprises can be such, they can be so heartbreaking. They can be, they can wear you down. Um, and so I would just say now there's so much more information available online. And there are also people that are talking about their different immigration experiences, visa experiences that I hope that um, that you take the time to, to watch and listen to different people's experiences, not because their experience is going to be yours, but by knowing their different outcomes or looking at what they did and what they, didn't, they did not do at different times, you can plan to set yourself up for success as much as you can. So use the information available to craft your own plan. And also craft a plan B if you need to. I think that's something that I wish someone told me was that I should craft a plan B. So make sure you have a plan A and plan B in mind. And then the fifth thing I'll say, and I think that's so, so, so important. And I would say even more, more so, especially for those that move as adults, right? So you're moving for grad school, you're moving, you know, to meet a spouse, you're moving to change your career, you got a job directly and you're, you're moving over. I think if you're doing those things, you've got to talk to people that have done it before. And, I, and I'll say this, I'll caveat this by saying, yes, you'll talk to some people and all they'll try to do is to, is to um, pass on their fears to you. I think I always say this with opinions and experiences. You know, I always welcome opinions and experiences and perspectives, but it's on you to take that and see that um, and, and work through, you know, the finer details of their story and pick what serves you. You know, like this podcast is and everything I put online and anybody else puts online, it's like a buffet. You go to a buffet and you're served. There are 10,000 things on the menu. You see the things you like or the things that will work for you, even if you don't like them, like the vegetables, grab them, eat the vegetables. If you don't like some other things, leave them. Take what serves you, take what fills you, take what nourishes you and leave the rest. But please, if you're moving to another country, talk to people that have done that. You can talk to people that have either walked the exact paths you would like to walk, people that have, you know, done things right and done things wrong, people that have moved to either the country you're looking to move to or somewhere with similar um, setup or structure. I mean, I would say talk to as many people as you can. Talk to people that have done it recently. Talk to people that have done it maybe five, ten years ago, right? Because I would say people that have done it recently can tell you a lot about the logistics in the short term. People that did it maybe five years ago can say, man, here's what I wish I did, that I would have gotten to where I am faster. So I think there's wisdom in just getting, getting as much information as you can and then sorting through that yourself. I would say as you talk to people, there should be themes that you notice in their stories. There should be common threads. I would say make sure you kind of draw on those threads, kind of you know, dive into those a little deeper. Perhaps there's a lesson for you there. And so questions you can ask from a financial standpoint as you talk to your family, friends, mentors, LinkedIn connections that have moved abroad. 
One, you know, how long did it take you to find a job? Two, what services did you use in your job search? What worked, what didn't work, and what would you recommend? What unexpected expenses came up in your move? What unexpected expenses came up in your first six months or first year of your move abroad? What is one thing you're glad that you did in your move or planning your move or actually soon after you moved? What is one thing you would do entirely differently if you had the choice to do so right now? So then I'm not going to dive into the next one too much, but I'll kind of cover it on the surface because I think it would not apply to everybody. But if it does apply to you, um, you probably want to look into this one deeper. So thinking about the tax implications of your move. And so, for example, if you're in the U.S. and you're a permanent resident or a citizen and you move abroad, you have to pay taxes. You know, you have to file your tax return in the U.S. and potentially in another country. And so for those that may have that situation going on, then you need to kind of make sure that you're well aware of what it means for your taxes, talk to your CPA, and plan accordingly. The seventh thing I want to talk about is make a preliminary budget. And yes, you haven't moved yet, but yes, have that budget because this budget will kind of go back to number one and help you think about how much you need to save and create that timeline to get you to your moving date. And so savings are one thing, right, which is great, but expenses will eat up your savings, like I said, right after you move faster than you want it to. And so conduct research, like I said, get an idea of how much things truly cost. You know, look at the cost of food, look at the cost of transport, housing, utilities, insurance. There are many cost of living calculators online for different countries. There are many expat blogs and vlogs and look for those for the country of your choice. Um, the truth is I could go on and on about this topic, right? But make sure you, you sit down, look at that preliminary budget and decide and come up with a realistic number of, okay, here's what my monthly budget is going to be, you know? And if you have a close friend that you can kind of have bounce off to say, here's what I'm thinking will cost me monthly, let them give you feedback on how that will work and whether it's reasonable or not. And so the truth is, I'm probably going to, there's so many things that we can talk about on the topic of moving abroad, but I wanted to first introduce it, right? Clearly, it's something that I'm personally passionate about because I, I would love for immigrants to put their first best foot forward the first time when making a move abroad, whether you're moving as an expat to one country. I mean, the difference between expats and immigrants, something, again, I'm, I get very annoyed by is just the intent. An immigrant intends to stay an expat short term. However, the way the world works, we often see people from third world countries, developing countries as immigrants and people from first world countries as expats, where that really isn't always the case. Anyway, another story for another day. Let me not rumble. But um, I'm definitely going to talk about you know, more topics on just the moving and the finances of moving and be preparing for moving from a career standpoint, positioning yourself well and, and doing things that position you and your future generations to be well set up in a new country. I'm honestly, even this deserves even a course on its own, to be quite honest, to be real. Um, and so we'll, we'll cover more on the topic over time. Let me, let me know what you guys think. Let me know your level of interest. Like I said, there's so much emotional, mental impact of a move abroad. I actually have a blog post about it um, on my travel blog to talk about just what to expect when you move abroad. But I also have a post on how to support a friend when they move abroad because I found that people 
are not always the most supportive when you move abroad because I think people may have different expectations of what your life is. And and I think it takes, I would say it takes about a year to feel like you've found your rhythm in a new country, especially when you don't have that soft landing with friends and family and a built-in community. And so I'm happy to talk about that as well. But I will say moving abroad has been the most transformative experience of my life. I am a different person. I am the person talking to you today because of the collection the accumulation of experiences that I've had today um, in the past, you know, almost two decades of living outside my country, which is kind of crazy, but I'm a hundred percent different person, a hundred percent better person, and I'm still becoming. And so it will change you. It will challenge you, but it will make you better if you truly, truly choose to step into it. And there's a whole nother conversation on, well, how do we step into new countries? How do we, you know, assimilate, but yet maintain who we are and where we come from. And that's what The Rich Immigrant is about. So I'm looking forward to diving into this topic a little bit more. But I hope that for someone that's thinking about that move abroad, I hope that this gives you some things to think about from a financial standpoint. So if you've got questions on this, please, please, please do not hesitate to ask me. This is a topic I love to talk about. I I think we need to have more conversations around. And I think we need to position immigrants to be successful wherever they move to. And so, like I said, the moving abroad has been great, but it, it has also been tough in different seasons. Um, but here we are, we're telling our stories. And just by sharing, I, I believe that we can truly change someone else's life by just giving them the right tools so that their migration experience is much better, much smoother financially, socially, emotionally, mentally, and all of that. And I think that is so powerful. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please review the podcast. Give me a five-star rating or something along the line, along those lines. If you have comments or improvements, send me a DM on Instagram. You know, don't tell Apple all that. Uh, but have a great Valentine's Day. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Cheers. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. Before you go, I'd like you to know that there will always be room for you at this table. And as I wrap this up, I'd like to ask for your help with a few things to help support and amplify the message of the podcast. First, please subscribe. Click the subscribe button and that way you're notified of new episodes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please write and review the podcast. That way you're signaling to Apple that the content here is, you know what? popping and you amplify our message to other potential listeners and last but not least please follow us at instagram at the rich immigrant and as we go out into the world i hope that you're encouraged to show up and live fully in whatever country you've chosen to call home ciao bye see you next time